stay competitive in the era of peak lava and beyond, then take a chance on the Chancellor. Are you looking for local handcrafted leather goods? Look no further than Skin on Skins, a local mission a leather working shop. All original pieces handcrafted for you. Jackets, belts, purses, jewelry, everything made out of leather. You need your bicycle seat fixed? You want it in cool leather? Under can do it. You have a motorcycle that you want to fit out with side bags and cool stuff talk to under go to skinonskins.com that's s-k-i-n-o-n-s-k-i-n-s.com you just went to Folsom Street Fair and you don't have enough leather go see under everything is handcrafted and understated quality fine leather handcrafted goods for all of your needs he also does fixes maybe you love that jacket he'll put the zipper back in Talk to Under at SkinOnSkins.com at 20th and Mission. Check them out at SkinOnSkins.com. My name is Breakfast, and I'm running for Chancellor of the United States of America. For too long, we have gone without a Chancellor who is willing to take bold leaps of faith and logic to create new possibilities for our great, big, fat nation. As your Chancellor, I will balance the budget on the head of a pin, give entertaining speeches, have scandalous affairs, Write strongly worded letters to unpopular foreign leaders. Look good on camera. End all hunger, crime, abuse, war, disease, disasters, sadness, depression, oppression, repression, suppression, transgression, obsession, expression, impression, regression, and digression by signing pieces of paper that express my disapproval of such things. Invest in an American flag pin to be worn prominently on my stylish jackets. It's time to work together to take the country back from us and return it to ourselves. It's time to turn this country around and drive it into opposing traffic. It's time to take a chance on the Chancellor. 
tired of swimming through a sea of
And with that, I want to welcome you to Labor and Love. This is the Labor and Love show, Saturday morning at 10 o'clock. We bring you labor news, labor opinion, labor commentary, labor history, you name it. By, for, and about, <clears throat> by, for, and about working people and their movement. Labor movements, that is. I am the B, member of two unions, not just one. Uh, and we've got quite a show planned for you. As always, we're going to read our credos first, and we're going to tell you that if one person gets a dollar they didn't work for, someone else worked for a dollar they didn't if you don't have a seat at at the table the table at your work that is you're on the menu and never but never let anyone into your heart who is not a friend of labor it's only a waste of time labor and love radio where the labor meets the road And we're going to start out, as we often do, with our credos. I added a new credo this week. Credos are the things that we take for granted. We start out with a poem by Lawrence Ferlinghetti. 
Pity the nation whose people are sheep and whose shepherds mislead them. Pity the nation whose leaders are liars, whose sages are silence, and whose bigots haunt the airwaves. Pity the nation that raises not its voice except to praise conquerors and acclaim the bully as hero. And aims to run the world before some by toys. Pity the nation that knows no other language but its own and no other culture but its own. Pity the nation whose breath is money and sleeps the sleep of the too well fed. Pity the nation, oh pity the people who allow their rights to erode and their freedom to be washed away. My country cheers of thee Sweet land of liberty. Hans Ferlinghetti. This is Robert Reich reminding us that the richest 1% in this country own half the stock market. And the richest 10% own almost all of it. So when people brag about the stock market, they're not talking about the economy that 90% of Americans inhabit. What about labor education? What about something in our schools that reminds kids of where their gains came from? Kids don't have a little brother working in the coal mine. They don't have a little sister coughing her lungs out in the looms of the big mill towns in the Northeast. Why? Because we organized. We broke the back of the sweatshops in this country. We have child labor laws. Those were not benevolent gifts from enlightened management. They were fought for. They were bled for. They were died for by working people. By people like us. Kids ought to know that. That's why I sing these songs. Says Utah. All right, let's see. What else have we got here? Mining towns in the Mideast, and that's literally true. Those who cough their lungs up. Working in those mills. It took quite a while to get people to give them up. Um, on the penalty for aborting after rape is more severe than the penalty for rape that's when you know it's a war on women. Okay, so what? You got raped. You still have to have the kid. Too bad. Blaming immigrants. I don't even care if they're undocumented immigrants in this country. Without social security numbers, they aren't privy to the welfare people claim they get. They're just normal people trying to live a better life. This whole wall, drop the illegals BS, is just the 1% convincing us 
working class to blame some of the working class for the fact that we're all poor. Instead of realizing the reason we're all poor is because income inequality and resource price inflation combination with wage stagnation. The existence of another poor person is not why you're poor. It's because the people who control everything refuse to pay you living wages. Imagine that, huh? Got Ferlinghetti, you're just not that into politics, huh? Oh. That's that's something. Not that into politics. <sighs> well, your boss. Let me. I got news for you. Your boss is into politics. Your landlord is into politics. Your insurance company is into politics. And every day they use their political power to keep your pay low, raise your rent and deny you coverage. It's time to get into politics. Come on. Wake up. Just as you're walking down the street, people got their hands in your pocket. Got one more here. It's an unknown one, which I just added. And this is by the French author, George Sand, a woman who in 1820s and 30s or so was forced to use a man's name so she could get published. And she wrote this beautiful sentence. Sentences. Humanity is outraged in me and with me. We must never dissimulate nor try to forget this indignation which is one of the most passionate forms of love. Che Guevara said that the best revolutionaries are motivated by great love. That's what George Sand says as well. Okay, I wanted to get to uh, Facebook. Facebook here and uh, walk the labor beat with you. At, we're at Labor and Love Radio on Facebook. Come on down and visit. Number one, working people have an ally in the Department of Labor in Julie Sue. Julie Sue was just appointed an assistant secretary of labor. 
and in these times is in her corner. President Joe Biden got it right with Sue, a principled and practical leader committed to poor working families. The author goes on to write about a campaign for uh, assuring that car wash attendants were given their breaks and uh, the right to organize. And Julie was the California Labor Commissioner at the time, and her whole investigative team came to this meeting, and she says, the author, let's see who it is, Tom Williams, okay? Nadie Dominguez, okay? I was overtly self-conscious that I was not an attorney. I am not a labor law expert, I said, but we do have clear recommendations that come from the lived experiences of the car wash workers we work with. I told them. Julie calmly assured me that there was no one else in that room who knew better than I about the workers' experience, and that's why she wanted the clean car wash campaign to train her staff on the best practices they could deploy to conduct more efficient investigations and enforce workplace protections for car wash workers across the state. That was Julie Sue, a principled and practical leader who you want in your corner in time of need. She will be an exceptional leader and serve all working people at a time when the country is facing overwhelming economic and public health crises. Julie Sue Portside has an article that said, here's why 2021 could be a big year for unions. The pandemic has put a spotlight on workers' rights issues and accelerated an organizing movement that's been slowly building in recent years. With actions such as the teacher strikes in 2018 and the Fight for 15 movement, Alicia Wallace. Rarely has the chasm between rank-and-file workers and the extremely wealthy been this wide. While millions of people have lost jobs, gone hungry, and struggled to pay for their basic needs, billionaires' wealth soared to new heights in 2020. And although the pandemic made things worse, America's wealth gap has largely been expanding since the 1980s. Far fewer job holders have a seat at the table in negotiating with an upper management than they did decades ago. In 2020, union membership hit a new modern low. And Kent Wong from the UCLA Labor Center says... There's a direct correlation that when union membership is down, economic equality is up. 
I mean, that's obvious, isn't it? When workers are able to negotiate better wages, better working conditions, better living conditions, everybody benefits. But the rich want to benefit at all. They don't want to share. They don't want to accept the benefits over time. They have the game rigged, and they want to keep it rigged. I do think that the current moment provides an opportunity for a union that has not existed in many, many years. There is a growing national consensus that there needs to be dramatic changes to ensure that the economy does work for everybody and not just Wall Street. So Mr. Biden certainly has come out in favor of the, uh, the Bessemer workers having a choice, which is a big deal. Let's see what else we got on the labor theme. Ilan Omar brilliantly explains why the PRO Act is so important. The PRO Act is a proposal that's passed the House now. See if we can get it through the Senate, which greatly makes it a lot easier for unions to conduct elections and uh, deal in the workplace with unfriendly company guys. What it really okay, Ilhan Omar from Minnesota. The PRO Act passed yesterday in the House, and Joe Biden gave it a full throw to support, and hopefully, 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 maybe it, get, it passes in the Senate. Um, I don't see Joe Manchin as a problem with this. Maybe Kristen Sinema, maybe. I don't know. Um, but I don't see Joe Manchin as a pro, uh, would have a problem with this. It would be interesting to see what, what happens and, and, and if Joe Biden leans on this. This, um, we've mentioned this, PRO Act. Well, let's hear um, Ilhan Omar uh, talk about the PRO Act because um, she will like explain her. why the PRO Act is, is uh, important to American workers. The gentlelady from Minnesota, Ms. Omar. The gentleman from Minnesota is recognized for one and a half minutes. Thank you, Chairman. Mr. Speaker, I rise in solidarity with labor unions who throughout history have fought the greed of their bosses and corporations in order to have a better life. I rise in solidarity with workers in Marathon Petroleum Plant in Minnesota who are striking for safer working conditions. And with the workers at the Minneapolis Institute of Art, Walker Art Center, and many more workplaces who have recently unionized in my district. I rise in solidarity with the 5,800 mostly black workers in Alabama who are currently fighting one of the most predatory corporations in the world, Amazon, to form a union. Labor unions have been the driving force for all positive change for workers in modern history. As a former union member myself, I can attest to the power that workers wield when they exercise their right to organize. 
That's why we need the Paul Act and why we must pass it this week and pressure the Senate to do the same. The PRO Act puts power back where it belongs in the hands of workers. Thank you, and I yield back. I ask for unanimous consent. We should say the PRO Act overrides state right to work laws in uh, approximately 27 states, maybe. Um, and what it does is it lets people, uh, or it, it requires uh, people working in a union shop where the union is negotiating on their behalf, it uh, requires uh, that they um, pay agency fees. Um, when it really philosophize about it. Okay, so that's the PRO Act. Um, Representative Ilhan Omar from Minnesota. Let's hear the end of what Sam Sater has to say. and gig workers the right to unionize? That's one of the biggest for me. That's I mean, huge. That's huge. Because it basically says that, it basically says um, you can't escape unions and collective action by your labor force by, you know, miscategorizing them, or certainly now with that uh, Prop 22, we're going to see a lot of that. Uh, it also has tougher penalties for employers who interfere in the uh, efforts of employees to unionize. Um, it Which we're seeing in Amazon on an, a mass scale, on an unbelievable scale, changing traffic lights in order to stymie unionization, canvassing outside their facilities, holding meetings that all of their employees have to attend and uh, basically talking about the risks of joining unions, putting up flyers in their bathroom stalls. I mean, it's constant, so this would curtail some of that. It also calls for uh, immediate, as soon as a, um, a worker files with the National Labor Relations Board that, a, uh, that the, an employer is doing something that is retaliatory towards uh, an employee for attempting to unionize, uh, the National Labor Relations Board would immediately and automatically seek an injunction to um, keep that employee employed. Um, so the, 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 the burden of, of proof changes at that point as to you know, who needs to prove that the, uh, the company has uh, not retaliated as opposed to uh, prove that it has. From city high-rises to country villas, investigators are looking closely at Donald Trump's real estate empire, his taxes, and the financing of it all. A key figure in the Manhattan District Attorney's probe, the man who handled the Trump finances, longtime Trump Organization Chief Financial Officer Alan Weisselberg. NBC News investigative correspondent Tom Winter spoke exclusively with Weisselberg's former daughter-in-law, who's offering insight into Trump's top money man, family, and grandparents. Okay, that was the beginning of a story by uh, Morning Joe. All right, let's see what else we got here. 
too much food and 13 million kids are hungry. Capitalism, anyone? It's from popular resistance. Capitalist economies overproduce food. And this is always one of the criticisms that capitalism always ends up producing too much and then there's a depression. Okay, this is by uh, Robert Raymond from Truth House. The unprecedented, unprecedented pandemic and the recession it has caused has led to a sharp increase in food insecurity. The problem isn't that there isn't enough food to go around, but more and more people are unable to purchase it with the wages they're making or not making. Last year, the United Nations World Food Program released a report predicting that the number of people facing extreme hunger could soar to 270 million by the end of 2020, effectively doubling. What's leading to these extreme statistics isn't a lack of availability. It's that many people simply can't afford to purchase food. Like other commodities, capitalist markets are fairly good at producing food, but they not, they're not so efficient at distributing it equitably. When you combine this with a lack of bold intervention from policymakers, it's no surprise. The book, A Foodie's Guide to Capitalism, Understanding the Political Economy of What We Eat, by a man named Eric Holt Jimenez. And he runs it down. Why there's all this food and why it's not getting to the people who need it. We, of course, remember uh, watching about how bad the Depression was when farmers would pour milk and corn and throw them on the ground because they couldn't get a good price for them. The same thing is happening now. People are burning their cornfields, burning their crops because they can't get them to market or they can't get the price they need. This one that came over the wire, the wire a couple weeks ago. The right to work laws defeated in Montana and California. The notorious right to work laws, of course, give a worker the right to not join a union and get a free ride. In other words, if the union goes, the union is required to represent even workers who haven't organized or haven't joined the union. So if the union goes to court and wins a case and gets, say, a price, a uh, wage increase for uh, the workers, all the workers get it even those who didn't pay union dues. And for a while, there was something called agency dues. 
where you would just pay for that part of pay that part of the dues that went into court action, organizing, not others, because people were saying, well, unions putting money in for abortion rights, and I don't believe in abortion. And anyway, right to work makes that, makes that into law, that these workers can basically have a free ride, and they can profit by the good things that the union does without having to pay for it. Okay, this says Montana and Colorado have both stopped attempts to pass right-to-work laws and will continue to be free bargaining states. In Montana, Republicans have control over the entire state government, the first in over 16 years. Yet, over the past month, union members and employers have successfully pushed legislators to vote against right to work. On Tuesday, with union members filling the gallery and lining the hallways, legislators voted down the bill by a vote of 38 in favor to 62 opposed. On a show of bipartisanship, 29 Republicans joined 33 Democrats in opposing the bill. Democrat from Butte spoke about the role that unions played in his city, producing the copper that fueled the invest Industrial Revolution, electrified the nation, and supplied ammunition during both world wars. I know my past, he says. I know my town's past. I know the history of a man named Frank Little. Frank Little was an IWW organizer who was lynched. He was dragged out of a boarding house and beat nearly to death and drugged behind the car through the center of my district. This is an outrageous bill, and it's an outrage that it's made it this far. In Colorado, a similar right-to-work bill was rejected by an 8-5 to party-line vote. The House Business Affairs and Labor Committee voted down the bill. What we didn't hear today was any examples of people saying that they had ha had bad impacts from a union. We did hear a lot of evidence of what benefit a union was for workers across the state. So, see, there are these victories, huh? Okay, that's the labor beat for today. I guess I would call them, if I had a new show, I'd call them the headlines. Maybe it's time, in fact it is, it's time for some music. Music of social significance, which is what you hear on this show. Every once in a while I slip in one that's about love or some kind of emotion aside from organizing, but most most of it is uh, what we would call protest music. 
Entren los que quieren, let those in who want to enter, Latinoamérica, calle soy, 13. Soy lo que dejaron, soy toda la sobra de lo que se robaron, un pueblo escondido en la cima, mi piel es de cuero, por eso aguanta cualquier clima, soy una fábrica de humo, mano de obra campesina para tu consumo, frente de frío en el medio del verano, el amor en los tiempos del cólera, mi hermano, soy que nace y el político sin saliva las caras más bonitas que he conocido soy la fotografía de un desaparecido la sangre dentro de tus venas soy un pedazo de tierra que vale la pena una canasta con frijoles soy maradona contra inglaterra anotándote dos goles soy lo que sostiene mi bandera la espina dorsal del planeta en mi cordillera soy lo que me enseñó mi padre el que no quiere a su patria no quiere a su madre soy américa latina sin pierna pero que camina oye tú no puedes comprar el viento tú no puedes comprar el sol tú no puedes comprar la lluvia tú no puedes comprar el calor tú no puedes comprar las nubes tú no puedes comprar los colores tú no puedes comprar mi alegría tú no puedes comprar mi dolor tú no puedes comprar el viento tú no puedes comprar el sol tú no puedes comprar Cuando me sonrío, la nieve que maquilla mis montañas Tengo el sol que me seca y la lluvia que me baña Un desierto embriagado con peyote Un trago de pulque para cantar con los coyotes Todo lo que necesito Tengo a mis pulmones respirando azul clarito La altura que sofoca Soy las muelas de mi boca mascando coca El otoño con sus hojas desmayadas Los versos escritos bajo la noche estrellada Una viña repleta de uva Un Bajo el sol en Cuba Soy el mar caribe que vigila las casitas Haciendo rituales de agua bendita El viento que peina mis cabellos Soy todos los santos que cuelgan de mi cuello El jugo de mi lucha no es artificial Porque el abono de mi tierra es natural Tú no puedes comprar el viento Tú no puedes comprar el sol Tú no puedes comprar la lluvia Tú no 
invadiendo mi nido. Perdono, pero nunca olvido. Oye. Bear with me here for a minute. Looking for another song by Calle 13. They sing, you can't buy the rain, you can't buy the earth, you can't buy my soul. Remember a great movie with a Mexican movie, I believe, about Hasta la Lluvia. They want, it was about a campaign in Bolivia where a water company came down and bought the rights, the water rights, and outlawed people from collecting rainwater. And uh, the campaign that that people mounted against that and eventually won. Can you imagine that? Yes, I guess. Uh, all things, you know, we used to think that America Where's Allen Ginsberg. I've given you all and now I'm nothing. America, two dollars and twenty seven cents, January seventeenth, nineteen sixty six. America, I can't stand my own mind. America, when will we end the human war? Go fuck yourself with your Adam Bar. I don't feel good. Don't bother me. I won't write my poem till I'm in my right mind. <laughs> when will you be angelic? When will you take off your clothes? When will you look at yourself in the, through the grave? When will you be worthy of your million Christs? America, why are your libraries full of tears? America, when will you send your eggs to India? <laughs> I'm sick of your insane demands. When will you reinvent the heart? When will you manufacture lambs? When will your cowboys reach Spangler? When will your dams release the flood of eastern tears? When will your technicians get drunk and abolish money? When will you institute religions of perception in your legislature? When can I go into the supermarket and buy what I need with my good looks? <laughs> America, after all, it is you and I who are perfect, not the next world. Your machinery is too much for me. I don't want to work for a living. You made me want to be a saint. 
There must be some other way to settle this argument. <laughs> I don't want to die young. I want to die old and unhappy. <laughs> I don't mind dying so long as it's not sordid. Now, Bob is in Tangiers. I don't think so. he'll come back and it's sinister. Are you being sinister or is this some form of playing a practical joke? I'm trying to come to the point. I refuse to give up my obsession. Americans, stop pushing. I know what I'm doing. America, the plum blossoms are falling. <laughs> America, I haven't read the newspapers for months. <laughs> Every day somebody goes on trial for murder. America, I feel sentimental about the wobblies. <laughs> <laughs> America, I used to be a communist when I was a kid. I'm not sorry. <laughs> smoke marijuana every chance I get. <laughs> Only $2.27. I don't want to work. Maybe it's the looking for the job. I can't study anymore. I'll never teach for a living. I sit in my house for days on end without going out. When I go to Chinatown, I get drunk and never get laid. My mind is made up. There's going to be trouble. <laughs> You should see me reading Marx. <laughs> the American flag is absolutely meaningless to me, still just as it was in the 30s. <laughs> I won't say the Lord's Prayer. <laughs> I have mystical visions and cosmic vibrations. America, I still haven't told you what you did to Uncle Max after he came over from Russia. <laughs> I'm addressing you. Are you going to let your emotional life be run by Time magazine? <laughs> I'm obsessed by Time magazine. <laughs> I read it every week. Its cover stares at me every time I pass the corner of Northwest and Sutter Street and Montgomery Street. I read it in the basement of the Pilt Street Public Library. <laughs> Time magazine is always telling me about responsibility. <laughs> Businessmen are serious. Movie producers are serious. Everybody's serious but me. It occurs to me that I am America. I am talking to myself again. rising against me. <laughs> I haven't got a Chinaman's chance. <laughs> I had better consider all of my natural resources. My natural resources consist of two sticks of marijuana, millions of genitals, an atom bomb, and 2,500 mental institutions. <laughs> I say nothing about my prisons or the millions of underprivileged who live in my flower pots. <laughs> I have very few bordellos, and that's all there is. <laughs> I have abolished my whorehouses in France, and Tangiers is the next to go. <laughs> my ambition is to be president despite the fact that I'm a Catholic. <laughs> America, how can I write a holy litany in your silly mood? <laughs> 
I will continue like Henry Ford. My strokes are as individual as his automobiles. More so, they're all different sections. <laughs> America, I will sell you strokes at 2500 apiece, 500 down on your old stroke to trade in, and the rest of your life is to pay. <laughs> America, free Tom Mooney. <laughs> America, save the Spanish loyalists. America, Sacco and Vanzetti must not die. <laughs> I am the Scottsboro Boys. You are! <laughs> America, when I was seven, my mother took me to a communist cell meeting. They sold us bupkis, a handful per ticket, a ticket cost a nickel, and the speeches were free. Everybody was angelic and sentimental about the workers. It was all so sincere, you have no idea what a good thing the party was in 1835. Scott Nearing <laughs> was a grand old man, a real mensch, mother brewer, made me cry. I once saw Browder playing, everybody must have been a spy. <laughs> America, you don't really want to go to war. America, it's them bad Russians. Them Russians, them Russians, and them Chinamen. And them Russians. <laughs> the Russians are power mad. The Russia wants to eat us alive. He wants to take our cars from out our garage. <laughs> Her wants to take our factories. Her wants to corrupt our college girls. Her wants to put us all in slave labor camps. Her wants to emaciate us like skeletons. Her wants Malenko or Buchanan or somebody to be our boss. Her wants to dictify us. Him big bureaucracy running our filling stations. <laughs> that no good. Look. Who make Indians learn read? Ha! <laughs> Him need niggers. Vote. Her make us all work 16 hours a day. Help! <laughs> America, this is quite serious. America, this is the impression I get from reading the newspaper. America, is this correct? <laughs> I'd better get right down to the job. <laughs> it's true, I don't want to join the army or turn lathes and precision parts factories on nearsighted and psychopathic anyway. <laughs> America, I am putting my queer shoulder to the wheel. <laughs> Okay, that was Allen Ginsberg's America. Here's Calle Trece's America. America.
Okay, that was two versions of America. We had uh, Ellen Ginsberg with his classic America, and we had Calle Trece and uh, Tigres del Norte with their America. And I hope you noticed that both of them said, I am America. Common thing. Right now, let's go to Radio Labor. Radio Labor is our worldwide labor report. We bring it to you every week. And uh, let's see here. Radio Labor. This is a Radio Labor World Report recorded on Friday, March 19th, 2021. I'm Mark Belanger. In the report this week, the plight of women mine workers in Bolivia, an historic milestone in the fight against forced labor. The Labor Start report about union events and singing. Well, Joe Hill and Cesar Chavez, who fought in their own time for our brothers and our sisters up and down that picket line. This is Radio Labor. A major milestone has been reached in the fight against forced labor in the world. Seamarie Ainsborough has a report. There are 40 million people around the world trapped in forced labor. They are coerced to work involuntarily through the use of violence, debt bondage, retention of identity papers, and threats of being denounced to immigration authorities. The International Labour Organization has been fighting forced labour by encouraging countries to adopt an international law called ILO Forced Labour Convention 29. The ILO is the UN agency focused on matters of work in the world. The convention was first adopted in 1930. This year a milestone in the fight against forced labour has been reached. Fifty countries have ratified the convention. This means the countries have agreed to include the provisions of the convention in their national legislation. To mark the occasion, the International Trade Union Confederation released a message thanking all the union activists who have helped reach the milestone of 50 ratifications. The ITUC is the organization which represents national union centers such as the Ghana Trades Union Congress and the AFL-CIO in the United States. The general secretary of the ITUC is Sharon Burrell. Today we mark 50 ratifications. 50 nations actually ratifying the ILO protocol for forced labour. This is a real achievement. And while we need to get many more nations to ratify and change the practice around decent work for all workers, we thank you for your efforts. Your lobbying has made the difference. With more than 40 million people in forced labour, the ugly end of the employment spectrum, where workers are treated as indeed modern slaves, where women are forced into child marriage, where child labour prevents young children from their opportunities through schooling and indeed to have a childhood. This scourge must be eliminated and the ratifications of the ILO protocol is the first step. But this year, it's the elimination of child labour and we need to focus very much on identifying where child labour exists in your countries, in your supply chains 
and force governments and employers to act. We look forward to working with you, more ratifications, the elimination of forced labour, the end of the sponsorship system and a childhood for children in the scourge of modern slavery. This is Seymour Ainsborough reporting for Radio Labour. A Canadian union is helping to improve the horrendous working conditions of poor women working in Bolivian mines. As they try to earn a little to help their families, the women suffer serious discrimination, violence, and sexual harassment. They are being helped by the Steelworkers Humanity Fund. The fund, established 25 years ago, has supported international development projects, provided emergency humanitarian aid for disasters around the world, and other activities. I talked to Laura Ramirez about the project in Bolivia. Ms. Ramirez is the Humanity Fund's project coordinator for Latin America. I asked her about the Steelworkers Project for Women Miners in Bolivia. The project in Bolivia is a brand new partnership that the Humanity Fund has developed to address the needs of very particular group of women workers with two organizations. For our audience to understand what these projects are about, I'll give you a little bit of background, first of the organizations and then the context. So uh, we're going to be working with a group called Women Coordination Associations, which uh, brings together about 21 women's organizations. And this is to strengthen their impact in terms of building capacity for women and maximizing their political involvement and promoting changes to their situation. As you know, there's a lot of poverty in Bolivia and women are the hardest impact, but particularly in the mining sector, which is where the project will be. So a little bit of the context is that Bolivia is traditionally a mining country and back in 1985, the government went ahead and privatized the mining sector and this left a lot of people without a job. And so many of them moved to La Paz, Bolivia to work in the informal sector, but about 85% of those created what they call cooperative mining, which is far from being cooperative. They're just individual workers working in specific groups with very primitive manual extraction methods. And so in this context, you can imagine their situation is very precarious, but again, the groups that are mostly impacted by this kind of economic life are the women. Traditionally, women have not been allowed to be miners, to go inside the mine, because men said that they bring bad luck to the mine, right? And it's not the place for women. But nevertheless, there are hundreds of, um, there are many, many women that contribute to this sector in a very informal and harsh way. And so this project will target two groups in particular. They're called Tayiris and Baron Tierras, which are traditional names for women who do the menial mining work. Their job is extremely insecure and underpaid. They do, you know, little things like break a rock with a little hammer, right, or extract a remaining mineral after it's been taken out of the mine. And they get paid almost nothing for that. And often the children work with them, too, to earn a living. And the other group is the Barranquilleras who do the same, but they work inside the water. They immerse in water and they shovel sand and rocks to extract whatever mineral is 
left over from gold mines and that goes downstream uh, in the rivers and they try to collect all of that. But in addition to living in, in poverty and discrimination, there are huge levels of violence against these women, harassment and sexual violence and verbal abuse. So this project will have two main purposes. First of all, to give a voice to women, right? To teach them how to express, to occupy decision-making spaces and make decisions and contribute to changing their conditions. And in the process, building leadership, right? Leader women that will be able to contribute more to changing their situation. And the other aspect of this project will be building awareness about violence against women, all this abuse and harassment that they live on a daily basis. The interesting part of this project is that it will involve men as well, right, to make them aware that, you know, they're already poor and and living uh, in extreme conditions, and on top of that, they abuse the women who can also contribute to the economy. So, you know, and, and it's wrong, period. There's going to be 270 mining women who will participate in various events and training to form leadership groups and encourage them to participate in decision-making spaces. And uh, there will be men who will participate in the Violence Against Women workshops, and it is expected that about uh, 5,000 people will benefit indirectly from these projects. We're talking about the participants, but also their families and their children. Again, the Women's Coordination Association is going to be coordinating all of these activities with the National Network of Women Miners, which is a group that gathers together various groups, associations, coalitions, and unions and federations of women miners at different levels. So they will target as many different groups as possible to implement this project. Here with his report about union events is Labor Start correspondent Derek Blackadder. Each day, Labor Start's volunteers collect hundreds of news items about the struggles of workers and their unions from around the world in 36 languages. Here's a small sample of all their hard work. Our top story section included a strike against privatization by over a million workers at publicly owned banks in India. But of course, our really, really big story this week was from Algeria. There, two women trade union activists were released from jail. You'll have to pardon us here at Labor Start if we are especially pleased about this piece of good news. Their union and the Public Services International, the global union federation to which their union is affiliated, credit the global solidarity campaign run for them by Labor Start with much of the responsibility for their release. One story that has had a long, perhaps too long life on our news pages is the struggle to reverse the military coup in Myanmar. Unions have been increasingly important in that struggle, something that doesn't get much attention in most news media coverage of the protests. Strikes have become by far the most effective tool the protest movement has, and the country's trade unions have been organizing nationwide strikes in various sectors on an almost daily basis. The union's workplace networks are also being used to distribute material and information that can't be widely distributed in any other way, given the military stranglehold on the media and the roving army patrols in the streets. All this has made the labor movement a target for the military, with one report from a senior union activist warning that, quote, if the military wins, there will be no unions. Of course, the global labor movement is engaged in solidarity actions.
a key part of the solidarity strategy is to pressure the transnational corporations doing business in Myanmar to refuse to deal with the military, to not cooperate in suppressing the protests, and to do nothing that would in any way benefit the military rulers. For our Working Women page, our volunteers found news from New Zealand about the extent to which even now, a year into the pandemic, caring for the age is both considered a job for women and an underfunded one at that. We also covered the reaction of unions to the Biden legislative agenda in the United States as it affects women workers and the latest in a string of victories for domestic workers in South Africa as they are now insured for workplace injuries. The free health and safety newswire we offer in cooperation with Hazards magazine carried stories about the start of vaccinations for Palestinians working in Israel, the victory for Iraqi unions that had been pushing to have teachers vaccinated as soon as possible, and reports from whistleblowers that the government agency responsible for workplace safety in Australia puts politics ahead of workers' safety. Current campaigns that we are running at the request of unions around the world include urgent appeals for online solidarity with trade unionists in Pakistan, Israel, Europe, Kazakhstan, Jordan, Ukraine, India, and in Albania. Look for details on our site. This is Derek Blackadder from Labor Start reporting for Radio Labor. In one of the most important union votes to take place during the early Biden administration in the United States, 6,000 Amazon workers in the deep south state of Alabama are voting on whether to join the Retail, Wholesale, and Department Store Union, the RWDSU. Many artists have been helping the union drive, including Tom Morello, the guitar player for the U.S. musical band Rage Against the Machine. I am a union man. For 32 years, I've been a member of Los Angeles Local 47 Musicians Union. I'm a proud card-carrying member of the Industrial Workers of the World, an honorary member of the Air Traffic Controllers Union and the Teamsters. And I'm telling you that joining a union is absolutely the right thing to do. Why? Because when we join a union, we are united and we are strong. Why do the bosses not want us to join a union? Because when we join a union, we are united and we are strong to make better lives for ourselves, better lives for our families. My mom was a public high school teacher in Illinois for 30, more than 30 years. And we were never rich, but we always had enough food on the table, enough clothes on our backs, because she was a union high school teacher. I'm union family, union all the way, solidarity to all of you, all of you there, vote yes on the union. Let's throw a song. For Joe Hill and Cesar Chavez, who fought in their own time. For our brothers and our sisters, up and down that picket line. For the unnamed and unnumbered, who struggle brave and long. For the union men and women, standing up and standing strong. Let's go. Solidarity. Come on, Amazon workers, bring it home. And that's it. International Labor News You Can't Use. You can find our features and daily newscast at radiolabor.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Labor.
continue our tribute to the great men and leaders of 1916. We'd like to remember the working class hero of Ireland. We'd like to remember a man called James Connolly. The man was all shot through that came today into the Barrett Square. And the soldier I, I am not proud to say, he killed him there. They brought him from the prison hospital. And to see him in that chair, I swear his smile was far more quickly to call a man to prayer. Maybe, maybe I don't understand this thing that makes these rebels die. Yet all men love freedom and the spring clear in the sky. I wouldn't do this deed again. For all that I hold by as I gaze down my rifle at his breast. But then, but then a soldier. They say he was different. Kindly too apart from all the rest. A lover of the poor. His wounds ill-dressed. He faces like a man who knew a greater pain than blows or bullets ere the world began. Died he in vain? Ready, present, and him just smiling. Christ, I felt my rifle shake. His wounds all open, and around his chair a pool of blood. I swear his lips said, before my rifle shot at cursed lead. And I, I was picked to kill a man like that. James Connolly. A great crowd had gathered outside of Kermada. Their heads are uncovered. To the ground. For inside that grim prison lay a brave Irish soldier, his life for his country about to lay down. He went to his death like a true son of Ireland, the firing party. And they all rang out for sand arms and fire. James Connolly fell into a ready-made grave. The black flag was hoisted. The cruel deed was over. Gone was the man who loved Ireland so well. There was many sad heart in Dublin that morning when they murdered James Connolly, the Irish rebel. God's curse on New England, you cruel-hearted monster, your deeds they would shame.
And that was a tribute to <clears throat> the Irish revolutionary, socialist, songwriter, poet, James Connolly, who was one of the people in the 1916 uprising. And this is how, how it went, according to William Butler Yeats. I have met them at close of day, coming with vivid faces, from counter or desk among gray, 18th century houses. I have passed with a nod of the head and polite meaningless words, or have lingered a while and said polite meaningless words, being certain that they and I but lived where motley is worn. All changed changed utterly, a terrible beauty is born. That woman's days were spent in ignorant goodwill, her nights in argument until her voice grew shrill. What voice more sweet than hers than when young and beautiful she rode to harriers? That man had kept a school and rode on our winged horse, this other, as helper and friend, was coming into the force. He might have won fame in the end, so sensitive his nature seemed, so wild and mature his thought. This other man I had dreamed, a drunken, vainglorious lout. He had done most bitter harm to some who are near to my heart. Had I numbered him in my song, he too resigned his part in the casual comedy. He too has been changed in his turn, transformed utterly. A terrible beauty is born. Too long a sacrifice can make a stone of the heart. No when may it suffice, that is heaven's part. Our part to murmur name upon name as a mother names her child when sleep at last has come on limbs that had run wild. For England may keep the faith with all that is done and said. We know their dream enough to know they dream and are dead. And what if excess of love bewildered them till they died? I write it out in a purse, in a verse. Connolly and Pierce and McDonough and McBride down in time to be wherever green is worn transformed utterly terrible beauty is born
Okay, that was Easter 1916 by William Butler Yeats. Hello. Good morning to you, Vita. I want to thank you for calling. How are you guys doing today? Okay. All right. Um, uh, well, we just finished a poem about the Easter uprising in Ireland in 1916. Before that, we've had uh, uh, it's a pretty eclectic show today. We oh, had Sinead. Right, yeah, I know. I'm late with it, too. I should have done this last week. But anyway, um, I want to thank you guys for calling. I know you're in the middle of finals, right? Oh, okay. Congratulations to you both. Thank you. It's uh, a tough quarter. So well, how does the next quarter look? Uh, well, depending on how I do this quarter, I may or may not be in a class next quarter. I see. I see. How about you, Yemen? Way to go. Um, I wanted to ask you, um, this time around, as our campus correspondents, about there's a lot of attention lately about attacks on Asian people, especially older Asian people, and in one case, the horrific murder of six Asian women. And I'm wondering if you've, first of all, you know, reflect on that and also have you seen any evidence of that at the university people died because yeah, I mean, of him yeah 
safe way home from. Yeah. Yeah. How about you, Yemen? It's like, this is our problem. Like, we need to solve it together. Yeah, you know, yeah. We're one people. 
matter yeah. if it came from here. It doesn't matter. This is like eventually it's gonna happen, and it can happen here, it can happen there, and it can happen there. Yeah, it's, it's a learning process. More. You know, it's like it's, it's all very good. uneducated to like look at it. I mean, you know, obviously, but yeah, what I was gonna say is that it's not right that to set precedents like this that oh, just because Trump starts saying these things, it suddenly becomes a thing or okay to <laughs> right. hurt people like this, you know, because the next day someone else could, like Trump, could, you know, you know, roll themselves up to a podium and tell everybody again, oh, you know, hey, we hate these people today, we hate that people today, like, it just isn't, it's not, yeah, it's just not, it's, yeah, I'm sorry. You know, did, did, the, that was my did the Americans not learn? This is like they're trying to do uh, a diet Hitler here. I don't know. Well, we have we have to. Um, of course, we have to note that anti-Chinese, uh, anti-minority feeling is as old as the hills, especially here in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. uh, right. White mobs used to routinely go down to Chinatown and burn it down and shoot as many people as they could and in Los Angeles and and it, it's like what you guys are saying. You have to blame somebody else. In that case, it was the workers, the white workers blaming the Chinese who would, you know, who needed to work like anybody else who were willing to work. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Um, It's like men. They, it's they, manhood. Yeah, you're right. Some men, some men, they feel emasculated, and then they feel they have the privilege or the right to go take it out on somebody else yeah. because they feel that way. So maybe someone feels like, oh, you know, I lost my job today. Oh, the Chinese are taking jobs. Or that idiot who shot up those women is like saying something about porn. Like, you know, it's really, no, it's not their fault. Like, it's your fault. Well, like the sheriff, like the sheriff said, the guy had a bad day. What? The, yeah. I know. I heard that. It's just like, dude, like that's that's male privilege talking. To even put that in this mind, to think that way is so like weird. But yeah, yeah, I think that it has no effect on. Okay. Um. Well, I want to thank you guys for coming on again, and we'll talk to you next week and sooner. And I want to thank you for your insight and good luck on all your papers and uh, tests. Talk thank to you, you soon. Talk to you later. Okay. Have a nice show. Thanks, Bill. Okay, thank you. Bye-bye. Okay, that was uh, Yemen and Vita, our, our correspondence from Davis, uh, the college scene. Right? And though they haven't seen uh, specific instances of uh, violence against Chinese people, Asian people, they're well aware of the danger. And they're well aware of that population within the United States that attacks somebody else, attacks somebody else. Blame it on them. Uh, okay, I think we've got time for labor history in two.
Even if we don't, I'm going to play it. March 17th, The Hogs Hollow. Bill Haywood talks general strike. Haywood was one of the leaders of the IWW. Day in labor history, the year was 1911. That was the day Big Bill Haywood of the Industrial Workers of the World gave his speech on the general strike. He presented it in New York City at a fundraiser for the Bucafori Defense Fund. Vincent Bucafori was a shop representative for his union. He faced repeated harassment and discharge by his foreman for executing his union duties. Finally, as witnesses described, the foreman fired Bukafari and punched him, drawing blood. Then he came at Bukafari with a heavy object. Bukafari shot and killed him in self-defense. He was charged with manslaughter, convicted, and sentenced to 10 years at Sing Sing Prison. The IWW raised money for his defense and fought for his acquittal and release. Haywood arrived at the fundraiser to deliver the keynote speech titled The General Strike. In it, he reviewed the rich history of workers' actions since the days of the Paris Commune in 1871. He also raged against electoral reform. He stated, quote, The broadest interpretation of political power comes through the industrial organization. It gives the vote to women. It re-enfranchises the black man and places the ballot in the hands of every boy and girl employed in a shop makes them eligible to take part in the general strike, makes them eligible to legislate for themselves where they are most interested in changing conditions, namely in the place where they work. He continued, quote, you have all the industries in your hands at the present time. There is justification for political action, and that is to control the forces of the capitalists that they use against us. That is the reason that you should fully understand the power of the ballot. Labor History in Two, brought to you by the Illinois Labor History Society and the Rick Smith Show. For more information, go to laborhistoryin2.com, like us on Facebook, and follow us at Labor History in Two. I'm Rick Smith, and this is Labor History in Two. On this day in labor history, the year was 1960. That was the day five Italian immigrant workers were killed in Toronto, Ontario, in what is known as the Hogs Hollow Tragedy. Referred to as Sand Hogs, workers sought to connect a pumping station to the water distribution network. They were building a water main in a tunnel under the Don River. The project was already far behind schedule and over budget. Workers were welding in a compression chamber when smoke began to overwhelm the main shaft. Some workers made it out. Firefighters were prevented from releasing water into the tunnel to extinguish the fire over concerns that it would cause a collapse. In addition, there was no backup safety equipment at street level. The tragedy shed light on the appalling wage and working conditions immigrant workers faced just outside the city's borders. The persistent public outcry prompted exposés and investigations that revealed just how bad conditions were. It was truly a tale of two cities. Within the city, union requirements guaranteed breaks and enforcement of safety regulations. But just outside, it was a different story. According to Jamie Bradburn, who wrote for the Toronto Historicist in 2010, workers on suburban projects 
faced conditions that included lack of proper sanitation, poor safety inspections, illegal withholding of vacation pay, unpaid overtime, checks that often bounced, and groundless threats of deportation. The coroner's inquest determined that callous management, incompetent foremen, inexperienced workers, a disorganized rescue, and inefficiency at the Department of Labor caused the disaster. Though no criminal charges were ultimately laid, the sacrifice of the five men at Hogs Hollow brought about improvement in the conditions that had led to their demise. I'm Rick Smith, and this is Labor History in Two. On this day in labor history, the year was 1918. That was the day workers at Wagner Electric in St. Louis ended their 12-day walkout in exchange for promised negotiations regarding union recognition, higher wages, and fewer work hours. Wagner held defense contracts to provide detonators and firing pins for munitions. With the U.S. entrance into World War II, the orders increased, as did the labor shortage. In this instance, more women entered the workforce. Wagner was no exception. During this period, nearly a quarter of the St. Louis factory workers were female. Yet, the unionized industries made no attempt to organize them. Amid a strike that rocked the city, about a thousand men and women struck at Wagner on March 6th. They demanded the reinstatement of co-workers who had been fired for attending a machinist union meeting. A week later, close to 2,700 workers were on strike. The male workers at Wagner made less than half of their counterparts in the unionized industries, while their women co-workers made half of that. Workers contended that Wagner violated federal contracts by refusing to honor the eight-hour workday and equal pay for equal work. Historian Rosemary Furrer notes the Ordnance Department reached a tentative deal to get workers back to the job and then spiked negotiations by smearing strikers as unpatriotic. The company refused to address long-standing grievances. According to Catherine Corbett, Wagner Electric also required workers to sign loyalty pledges to the company. Over half of the workforce would walk out the following month with the support of Mother Jones. Workers appealed to a more sympathetic war labor board, but found they could not get the agreements they demanded until the years of industrial organizing of the 1930s. For more information, go to laborhistoryin2.com, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Labor History in 2. All right, there's Rick Smith with our Labor History in Two Minutes uh, feature. We're going to have to get out of here really quick. Remember, if one person gets a dollar they didn't work for, someone else worked for a dollar they didn't get. Have a good week and good work. We'll go out with Kaori Miraji. Internacional. So until next Saturday at 10 a.m., this is the B. Remember, every day is Labor Day. Celebrate labor.
as we set sail for the seas of Mutiny Radio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. Mutiny Radio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> As the world gets wackier and less predictable in every way, it is more important than ever for us to all remember our roots. We wouldn't be here today if our ancestors hadn't had the capacity and the skills to take care of themselves and their communities using the resources in the natural world around them and their own two hands. My name is Wonia Tebow of Buckskin Revolution and Alone Season 6, and I started Buckskin Revolution not just to empower people with a wider range of skills to meet their basic needs, but also to inspire them with a sense of fulfillment and connection that comes with living a little closer to the earth and using our bodies, our minds, and our very DNA for what they evolved to do, to help us thrive without the need for modern technology and industry. If that sounds appealing to you, I hope you'll join me for the Fall 2020 Buckskin Revolution Online Skills Gathering, an eight-week learning experience designed to work within any schedule. It involves pre-recorded classes, live interactive sessions, and online community learning support from both myself and your fellow students. The need for these skills has never been more pressing, and Buckskin Revolution is working hard to bring them to you. I hope you can join us. Get connected with yourself and the world around you at buckskinrevolution.com. Billy Bob, you ever want to be funny? Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be like in front of an audience, like other than like squirrels, dogs, and dead persons? Well, shoot. From time to time, I've given it a thought of two. You know, if you go to joke workshop, there's more than two peoples paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even gonna be jerks about it. Daryl, are you serious? I can get people to listen to my jokes? And they'll even say nice things, dude, before they tell you how to get improvements. No way. What is this dang nabbit thing called? It's Joke Workshop. Joke Workshop? Yep, every Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. on the Mutant Radius. So you're saying I could tell my jokes every Monday from 6 to 8? That's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Mutant Radius. Yahoo! I'm Michael Spiegelman. And I am Carl, not Spiegelman. Join us every Sunday, 2 to 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on MutinyRadio.fm for... Let's watch a full-length movie on... YouTube. We watch the best movies that... Uh, aren't they good? Well, they're chosen by uh, Here's you. his theme song again. Bye. Okay, bye. Watch a full-length movie.
San Francisco, what are you doing this week? Come join Mutiny Radio Presents for four different comedy shows supporting local businesses in the Mission District and beyond. On Sunday, join us in the Tenderloin at Resolute Wine Bar, 678 Geary, for Barrel of Laughs at Resolute, an amazing comedy show with the best wines curated by Resolute. On Wednesdays, join us at Asiento at and 21st and Bryant for dinner and a show at Asiento. Delicious tapas, incredible drinks, hilarious comedy. Wednesday nights at 7.30. On Fridays at 7 o'clock, join us outside MutinyRadio.fm here at 21st and Florida. 7 o'clock for outdoor comedy, socially distanced in the street. And Saturdays, join us at Atlas Cafe SF at 20th in Alabama for Titans of Comedy every Saturday at 2 o'clock. Hey, keep supporting local businesses and comedy here in San Francisco with your friends at Mutiny Radio. St. Valentine's Day Mascara, streaming live on Facebook, Sunday, February 14th, 11 a.m., an international affair hosted by Ms. Noir. Do you crave a carnal comfort? Are you longing for some lecherous violence? Is it seduction from a sultry song that you're seeking? Or would you rather be ravished by a woman and drive? Care to venture a little voyeuristic versification with this lyrical libertine? Or could this wanton wordsmith maybe look an appetite for an allegorical adultery? Why not slake your literary lustings in a personal one-on-one? St. Valentine's Day Mascara. St. Valentine's Day Mascara. St. Valentine's Day Mascara. 14th of February 2021. 11 a.m. PST. Facebook Live. A date for everyone. Hosted by Ms. Noir. The Ministry of Lava manages our national lava resources to ensure that we will always have a steady supply of lava to operate the nation's active volcanoes, which in turn power our cities and methamphetamine labs. As a matter of national security, we need to reduce our dependence on foreign lava, which means an expansion of domestic lava drilling. As your chancellor, I will build lava wells all over the country as well as secure access to more lava fields by invading Hawaii. Imagine orange gold spurting out from school playgrounds on the Great Plains and illuminating the Nebraska sky like fireworks on the 4th of July. Magma oozing over the rolling hills of Kentucky. Volcanic ash settling gently over homes in New England like fresh gray snow. If you want global lava markets to continue to be dominated by terriblest regimes like Iceland, Chile, and the Philippines, vote for my opponent, who sits in their back pocket as comfortably as Pahoehoe on the slopes of Kilauea. If you want the United States to stay competitive in the era of peak lava and beyond, then take a chance on the Chancellor. Are you looking for local handcrafted leather goods? Look no further than Skin on Skins, a local mission leather working shop. All original, 
pieces handcrafted for you. Jackets, belts, purses, jewelry, everything made out of leather. You need your bicycle seat fixed. You want it in cool leather? Under can do it. You have a motorcycle that you want to fit out with side bags and cool stuff? Talk to Under. Go to SkinOnSkins.com. That's S-K-I-N-O-N-S-K-I-N-S.com. You just went to Folsom Street Fair and you don't have enough leather? Go see Under. Everything is handcrafted and understated quality. Fine leather handcrafted goods for all of your needs. He also does fixes. Maybe you love that jacket. He'll put the zipper back in. Talk to Under at SkinOnSkins.com at 20th and Mission. Check him out at SkinOnSkins.com. LSD FAP. Acid of fapping, fapping of acid. Acid fapping, fapping of acid. Fap, 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 acid. Thank you. That song is called Acid and Fapping. 